See, and you don't need a lot of people to get a lot of sharing. Okay, then I, I guess I, I will begin. Well, thankfully, Jendi stole my opening by, share, by sharing your story. Because, uh, yeah, just actually it started a few weeks ago as... As I've been studying, and I, I think, well, I know I told, I told you a couple of weeks in a row that when I discovered that the gospel was about Jesus and not about me, uh, it changed everything for me. I, ha- I, haven't, uh, I haven't been the same. See, it, uh, what Jesus does is, is for us, but it's not about us. Okay? And... The more I, I, I take that perspective as, as I, I look at these verses, it's like I can only get to, you know, I can only get to a couple of them, and, and it's like, this isn't about me. I want it to be about me, because we want the gospel to be about us because there's a deficiency in us that we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to come and, and, and do. And that's what faith is about. Uh, if we look at the gospel... Uh, only the demons, <laughs> only the demons say, look, you're the son of God, the Messiah, the Holy One. The demons, they knew. But, for the re- but that was part, that's part of faith. Because faith looks at, at stuff like that and goes, when saying it, it can't be true. And so it, can, it temporarily confuses us. Because you cannot come to Jesus except by faith. And, and the, because if you know, now there's, there's a certain knowing when you come to Christ. If you know, then you can't have faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God and saying, yes, God said it. And so Jesus, as he was expressing himself in these early days in Luke, he was, he was developing a faith for people to say, Look, I'm the Messiah. He's, and he, he declares it. He says in Isaiah 61, this is me. I've showed up. Today it's, it's fulfilled. He says, I am the Messiah. And then in this next portion, he starts to show that he has power over Satan. He has power over sickness. He has power over sin. And ultimately, he'll die on the cross so that we can be saved. I love that. <laughs> I love the gospel. Okay. So Jenny and I, we've had a bunch of conversations because I, I've been, I don't know, spiritually on one foot because of this. Meaning I have this sense in my heart that God is trying to do something really amazing. And then I, and then I see that God's he's starting fires all over. And it's, it's what we've been praying for for years. And I, I, can, I can just tell you a couple of conversations. I'm going to Tell you a couple of conversations I've had with friends around the country. Uh, one of my friends, uh, th- there's a, a group um, that they, they've been cataloging revivals around the world for years. It's George Otis's uh, group, and um, my my friend was saying, uh, I, I was talking to the to one of the documentarians, and I, he was saying he was saying how do how do we get this? Where we are, and he goes. It he goes. It only comes to those that are desperate. And he goes. Is there any other way? (laughs) 
because nobody wants to get desperate. And I don't mean like desperate in in prayer, but I mean like be in a place like, you know, there's a revival in Kentucky. I mean, Asbury's part of it, but there's actually been a revival in Kentucky for about five years in the coal region because there's nobody's got work and everybody's on drugs and I mean they're basically just getting enough money for their drugs and and then some people some people the churches got together they started praying and people started getting saved and and their churches just filled up with people who were broken and getting healed and it, it's been a beautiful thing and they have a, an amazing documentary on that so he says is there any other way and he said, well, the only other things that we've seen over the last 30 years of cataloging uh, revivals has been a small group of people who have seen a revival, who get together and begin to pray that God will do it in the next generation. Not a large group, not a big chapel full of kids small group of people who've seen the revival. Uh, yesterday, uh, our Foursquare president was in town, the Prez, uh, Randy. And he, he's, uh, we were at a meeting, and, and he didn't preach or anything, but he said something. He said, he goes, remember the story of Hezekiah? And he said, Hezekiah had, had two situations go on. And one was he got really, really sick. And so when he got really sick, I don't know if you know the story, but he, 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 he ran to God and he cried out and said, oh, God, save me. And God said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you another 10 years. And he was happy. And he's like, oh, thank you, God. I thought I was going to, I mean, because God said, put your house in order. <laughs> You're going to die. And he's like, oh, Lord, no, I don't want to die. And God says, okay, 10 more years. But then he, he, got, he, he got a little... Uh, you know, boastful, and he said, uh, he, he, some people from another country came, and he, he showed them all the stuff in the temple. And, and, there, and, and God came to him and said, you know what, those guys, they're going to come and they're going to take all that stuff from you. But it's not going to happen until you die. And he was okay with it. He didn't run to God He didn't care about the next generation. He was only caring about himself and his generation. There's nothing else to say. (laughs) And I, I actually was very convicted about that because I'm getting to that age, you know, it's like, yeah, we're we're gonna be okay. We'll we'll probably make it to retirement. We'll be fine. We'll be good, you know, Lord willing, you know, if the world doesn't fall apart around us, you know, uh, and then we're all going to be desperate again, and, and then the revival will break out. But anyway, but I was thinking, that's how I think. I think that how do I get strategically in a place where I'm okay forever? And when he said that, I'm just like, I've never been about that. I mean, the reason we started the school, the reason we, you know, was we want to affect the next generation. We want to see, I mean, the reason we exist is to affect the next generation. And that's why we're still here. Yeah. And so, anyway, that has less to do about the message today, except I wanted to relay that to us because if that's all we do with the rest of our prayer life,
is to say, Lord, let the revival start for these young people. And we've got, we've got a couple young men here today. Dudes, you're it. You're it. God is wanting to anoint you guys to affect the world. Like Kendra was talking about that, that, that moment in time when the Holy Spirit used her in a miraculous way. Uh, I, again, referring to the movie, uh, when I was at a Lonnie Frisbee meeting that was very powerful, and we, I had a very similar experience where after we left the meeting, we're like, we have to go tell everybody about Jesus. Because that's what happens when the Spirit of God shows up in a place. You just, it, it, you're like, I want everybody in the world to see Jesus like this. Everybody has to. And unfortunately, we've, 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 lo- we've lost it. Now, I don't know much about the movement of the Holy Spirit. I've been reading, you know, for my whole life, studying it, reading it. I know the guys that catalog stuff. But I have sensed in the last months that the Lord wanted to pour out His, His Spirit on all flesh to accomplish what, he, what we've been praying about for these young, young people. Now, in Acts uh, 2.17 and following, it says that in these last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And he says that on the boys and girls, on the men and women, and he said the young people, they're going to have vision. Visions. And their visions are what God, what is it that God could accomplish? And I, I, I do recommend that you guys uh, watch the Jesus Revolution movie so you can see what happened not that long ago. And it actually continued. I, when Jenny and I, we had a conversation last week about, um, you know, I, I was on the very tail end of the, that revival. I mean, I had met Lonnie Frisbee. I'd been in some meetings that were like, I mean, he started, you know, Calvary Chapel. He started the Vineyard. I mean, when that dude showed up, God sparked stuff that went around the world. But I was at the very tail end of everything. You know, all the church, you know, all the people had dispersed and gone on the mission field by the time I got there. I'm like, this is cool. <laughs> but I, I had just enough of what, what was happening that it changed my life, and I couldn't help but tell other people about it. And when we were talking about it, I could tell we were both stirred. I want to see it again. We got to see it again. We got to see Jesus show up. But it actually requires, you're going, boy, but it's about those young people. But it's also about the old people. Because it says the old men will dream dreams. We'll hear songs in the night. I, I mean, I, 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 mean I, I had some really wild revival dreams this week, actually. And I don't know, you know, how your, your brain reorganizes thoughts uh, dur- during your night. Um, probably because I was, uh, I was reading some revival stuff and God's like, you know, I don't know how he does the movies. Anyway, but God needs the old people to be there for the young people, right? He needs the dreamers and the visionaries to be in the same place. He doesn't say, oh, we just need some young people to take hold and and drive it forward. Instead, he's saying, we need the old and the new together. And as as I've been praying and and thinking about that, I'm like, how can we reorganize for the revival that's coming? 
You good with that? All right. I know that Leonard is. I know Jenny's every morning. She says, now, Leonard prayed about this, and he said the revival's coming this year. <laughs> I, said, I said, I know. He prayed for rain, too, and it hasn't stopped. <laughs> Got to watch that guy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I know the way it, it comes. It says that judgment begins in the house of the Lord. Uh, you know, we, we can't expect God to do mighty things in the world until we've said we've, we've done the repenting and what, what the breath was saying, uh, you know, is obedience. Uh, in, fa- in fact, we were even singing, and I was, I was going to say when we finished that song, you know, Jesus have it all. Did, did everybody sing that? Okay, so if you did sing it and you weren't lying, you have to ask yourself, <laughs> you have to ask yourself, what is it? What is it? And what is the it that God is calling us to to, to have. Because if we still keep it, then it's not giving it all to God. And that's the very thing that will keep the revival from flowing forth. Now, again, a lot of, you know, this is the ridiculous part of our ego. We want it to happen here. We're like, oh, Lord, I want to see that revival. I want, you know, Chuck Smith, man, man, when all those kids came, and I, I know other pastors, I was thinking of Jerry Cook, he was, same thing happened. You know, he had like 10 people in his church, and, and, and uh, you know, all of a sudden some hippies came in and sat on the floor, and next thing you know, his church is full. Next thing you know, you know God's doing great things. We're going, man, that's what I want, so that I can say, they can make a movie out for me 50 <laughs> years from now, and they'll say, the Jesus Revolution wasn't he awesome, and uh, I'll be long gone by then anyway. <laughs> but we don't understand that the effectual prayer of righteous people avails much, and it doesn't happen right in a small space. It may never be seen here, and that's why I said we have to count in heaven. We cannot count on earth. We cannot see and go, oh, you know, I went to a small church. Let me tell you a story about a small church because I'm running out of time. My first church after my life was recommitted to Christ uh, was a small Assembly of God church. And it had about maybe, it, let's just say it had less people in here than, than's in here. And the, there was an old guy on a violin and his wife was on the keyboard. There's about eight or ten of us. A guy who was a, a Bethany Bible student took me there. And I'll tell you, it was good. You know, out of that little church, and, and I, this week I, I had this revelation. It's like, I have to write this guy. He never knows what happened to me. He discipled me for a, a few months. He would take me to church. He would bring me home, and his wife would make lunch, and we'd eat lunch together, and he'd talk to me about Jesus. He taught me how to tithe. First thing, he's like, dude, give 10% of everything you got. I'm like, 
I'll do that. I just got this job. <laughs> you know, I'd been unemployed for a long time after, before that. Uh, it's easy when you don't have much money, right? It's like, hey, I made five bucks today, 50 cents, that looks pretty good. It's like, made 5,000 this week. It's like, ooh, that's, that hurts, 500 bucks, man. That, that's going to be hard to balance. But anyway, he taught me all that good things. But then he, he graduated. I was saved in April. He graduated in June, never saw him again. He has no idea what happened to me. But the other day, I'm like, I need to contact him. So I looked him up on Facebook. Still haven't contacted him. But anyway, it wasn't the size of the church because God touched me. And then he went and he planted, he's planted a whole pile of churches all over the countries in Wisconsin now. He's still serving the Lord. But then out of here came other churches and other people. And, and so from that little church of 10 people and, and the guy on the violin, he was older than Leonard. <laughs> this guy, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but man, that dude could saw, and you know we had hymns. It was happening. So don't underestimate the small things of God. Don't try to appropriate big things towards yourself, because then you might miss God. And then that, that's the, one of the tales of Lonnie Frisbee. All right. So the message of the day. I have four minutes, <laughs> and I'm going to give it to you. You guys ready? Because it's all about this. Because Jesus was the first revivalist. He, was trying, he came to a people who had lost a sense of God. They had all the trappings of what happens in church. And he would go into these places, the synagogues, and he would talk to them and they'd be amazed well, the, the story today goes like this. So after, after they would go to church, they would go to, to Sunday, Sunday meal, even though it's Saturday. They'd go to Sunday meal. And Jesus goes home with Peter for Sunday dinner. And it says he got up, he left the synagogue, and he entered Simon's home. He wasn't Peter yet. He wasn't a disciple. He was just a guy who's, who, like, he's a nobody. But hey, Jesus, come to my house for dinner. Comes to his house. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, so he's wondering, oh, shoot, invited Jesus home? I thought my mother-in-law was cooking dinner, and here she is laying with a fever. It's a bad plan. Have you ever done I brought people home after church, and he wasn't ready. It's like, ooh, that's bad. Okay. And they, and, and they asked him to help her. Now, Jesus hadn't healed anybody yet. Remember, the first miracle was the casting out of the demon, because he wanted to show his power over Satan. But now he wanted to show his power over the natural world, over bodies. He wanted to show healing. And so, um, actually, he didn't, he didn't want to show. He actually just wanted to help her, because that's what Jesus does. He just loves people. And he's like, yeah, I can. It says, so they asked him to help her. And standing over her, he rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately, she got up and served them. Good. It was dinner time. He must have been hungry. He's like, okay, I can help you. And now we can have dinner. That's not what happened. Now, while the sun was setting, so Sabbath was coming to an end, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he was laying his hands on each one of them and healing them. And demons were coming out of many, shouting, you are the son of God. And yet he was rebuking them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. 
I was like that. He knew. They they knew. (laughs) And he's like, don't tell anybody. Because these people are going to have to come to me by faith. Because it's by faith that they're going to see me act. Okay. Three. Oh, I, I can't do it in two minutes, but I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I'm going to, a couple, three quick points as we look at this. The thing that was on my heart the most was the revealing of Jesus is the most important thing that happens in our life. It doesn't matter how it comes. We look at miracles and that's why that, that's really why I, w- I was drawn to our sacred reading today. He says, "Does God give the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you?" Because I, I I read commentaries of other pastors and stuff, and they're like, you know, miracles are all gone. Well, then how come Paul still still? And I know none of you believe that, but how comes Paul's still writing? So God's pouring his Holy Spirit and doing miracles around you. I want you to realize that God is still doing miracles today. But the miracles are there to show Jesus. Not, they're for us, but they're not about us. Okay? And Jesus wants to reveal himself in the miraculous so that we say, I want to be with you. And the thing that came to my mind was, Many, many people. In fact, it says right here. Now, while the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he was laying his hands on each one of them and healing them. In another version, it basically it says, and he healed them all. But how many followed him after that? Because often we come to Jesus because of our need. In fact, we all come to Jesus because of our need. There's not one of you who said, I'm coming to Jesus for Jesus. (laughs) But discipleship is about, we come because of our need, and he touches our life. And then we say we want him. And I, I was just thinking that how often I'm still coming to Jesus for me instead of for him. Those of us who are mature or who are in a place of discipleship, we, we turn ourselves, why Jesus is always touching us. I mean, every day when I meet with him, every day he touches my life, every day. It's crazy. It's like, how is he still doing that? But I still use that as an indication that it's about me. And so I often now will sit and say, Lord, I want to be here just for you. And then I think about me. And I say, Lord, I really, 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 really want to be here just for you. Yeah, I know. I got some needs today. Yeah, oh yeah, I got to do that too. And then I say, no, I really, really, really. You know how hard it is to go to Jesus for Jesus alone? But that's what our discipleship is, because he wants to reveal himself to us, because he is the center of it all. Okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll end with this. What is the it of Jesus have it all?
Because that's what's going to keep you from the revelation of Jesus that he's wanting to bring to your life. I hate that I'm saying it to myself. You know I'm preaching this to myself. Always am. I hate it because my flesh might reveal that, oh gosh, i got to give something up. But let's take it in another direction. It's those that know God that can give it to the next generation. And that's what we got to be about. So, with that, shall we pray for this next generation? And shall we pray for ourselves that our it would be on the altar forever? All right, let's do it. Lord, we pause for a moment and say we're here for you. Why did we come to church this morning? We came for you and us and ourselves. You've given it all to us and we thank you for that. And we thank you that each one that's here right now and each one that's uh, watching online, we know that you have touched our lives. You've opened our eyes that we would see that's Jesus. He's doing a great thing. And yet the generation behind us, two generations, three for some, they haven't had their eyes opened. And Lord, we pray that your power over the devil and his lies, his power over sin, sickness, your power through our lives would begin to become more and more manifest for the next generation. Lord, we're not going to be content to be content. We want to be ready for what you're wanting to do through our lives. And so we pray for our, this next generation, those that are represented by our families. We ask that you would produce a revelation in them and a revolution. Lord, we know it's not something we can talk people into. It has to be experienced by your power. And so we pray for your Holy Spirit to be released upon our church, our churches, our community, our country, our world, that you would be glorified in all things. And we pray for our it today, that which we withhold from you, and we say, Jesus, have it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I've never done a four-minute sermon before, but uh, <laughs> a forty-minute, four-minute sermon. Uh, <laughs> check. But you know what? You'll forget most of it by Tuesday. Uh, but you won't forget our time together because God's spoken so many ways through you uh, as well. So let's encourage one another. Uh,
those online, be encouraged. Let let us pray for the revival uh, that's happening in our hearts. It always starts with us. Somebody says, you want revival? Draw a circle on the ground, stand in it, and pray that revival breaks out. Uh, Then you know, (laughs) and when it breaks out of that little circle, then you know it's time to extend it on to the next person. So God bless you guys online, and the rest of us, we're going to have our Sabbath meal uh, with Jesus. Amen. All right.